I brought a couple of props today. How many of you ever had or have dance fantasies? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I had a lot of dance fantasies when I was young, which came up until last year. I turned 50 this year. You know, you're hearing a song on the radio, and you're just picturing yourself just making moves unbelievably. Some of you guys are still into the dance dance, you know, video game thing. I mean, I can see myself dancing as like this mixture of MC Hammer and Justin Timberlake. <laughs> but it never works out. I mean, it never actually happens. In the same way, I have um, preaching fantasies. Any, anybody out here have preaching fantasies? It's like you're thinking about this sermon, and you know, in my mind, I'm like somewhere in between, or really some holy mixture of Ellsworth Callis and T.D. Jakes, <laughs> and just pouring out the Word of God on fire with the Holy Spirit. But it never comes out that way. <laughs> I could just picture today already. And um, I remember Dr. Callis was my, was my preaching sensei. He was my preaching professor and my mentor for several years. And I remember the first time I got up in his preaching class to, to preach a sermon. And I think I preached like 18 sermons in that one 10-minute slot. <laughs> you know, it's like I brought all the culmination of 25 years of my life to that moment. And he had such an amazing way of just slaying you <laughs> with this sort of gentle criticism that made you want to hug him. And three days later, you're still bleeding. <laughs> I remember he stood up after I preached that sermon and he said, class, today we have witnessed the embarrassment of riches. <laughs> and so I come up here, like Jessica said, I mean, a thousand chapels, this is a thousand and one, and I've already got like 50 sermons ready to give you. I wish I had hours. I just have one, I brought my hourglass. And I, we stand in this moment right now, as Jessica said, it's like a, a Selah moment. It's like a, a big comma in the calendar between the whole Christian year, we've come to the end, Christ the King, and then Sunday, we'll turn the page into Advent and a new year. And so I thought... You know, Advent is itself a, a season of preparation. But we almost live in a time when we need a season of preparation for preparation, right? Things are moving so fast. Our calendars are so full. Uh, our lives are so fragmented that we, we need a, a kind of a wake-up call. 
to sort of alert us to the moment in which we're living. It's been this way from the very first day. This text that was, that was read this morning so well, besides this, you know what time it is. You know the time. How it is now the time for you to wake from sleep. The night is, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is come. Let us then throw off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. I mean, that's just like Star Wars stuff right there. The armor of light. See, this is Paul. He's writing to the Romans. We're still in the first century. By the way, did you see the news last night that science has confirmed the resurrection? Did you see that? You should watch the news here one more, guys. Uh, literally, they, they went to the, to the empty tomb, and they've, they've gone in there and, and dug it up, and there's no bones. Amazing. The scientists have, like, really, they're saying this is the place, right there in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, this is the place. The Christians were right. You'll be hearing more about that around Easter, I'm sure. But you can check it out in National Geographic right now. This is Paul writing to the Romans, okay? This is like years, just we're on the, the tomb is still warm. Not from Jesus, but, you know, from all the attention. And, and Paul is saying, people, you know what time it is. The hour has come for you to wake from sleep. They'd already gone to sleep. And these aren't the unbelievers, okay? Because he's saying, listen, salvation, it's nearer to us now than when we first believed. He's talking to believers. Believers had gone to sleep. I mean, this, this has happened in every age. I, I, I go around asking the question, you know, at seabed... When you're in seminary, the mission statement of Asbury Seminary is we're a community called to prepare theologically educated, sanctified, spirit-filled men and women to evangelize and spread scriptural holiness throughout the world. And then this massive Trinitarian blessing on the end that I always get wrong. It's good. It's a late addition, but it's good. You know what that mission becomes when you get out of seminary? Do you know what evangelize and spread scriptural holiness throughout the world translates into when you leave this place? Sowing for a great awakening. That's what it means. That's what this seminary was founded to do, to sow for a great awakening. And we live in a time in need of a great awakening. And so when I go around and I'm speaking in different places, I, I usually begin with a rather offensive question. And I'm going to ask it to you, and at the same time I hold a mirror up and ask myself, what if we're all asleep? I mean, they thought they were awake in Josiah's day, didn't they? 
Nobody missed the Word of God. It just disappeared. All of a sudden, they find it one day. <laughs> Somewhere hidden in the back room of the sacristy of the temple. Word of God, gone. Who knows how long? The church kept right on rolling. Business as usual. The trains ran on time, but they were all asleep. How about Martin Luther? Reformation, we just celebrated. Great 500th anniversary. The monk is reading his Bible. He comes across Romans 1.17. But the just shall live by faith. He, he begins to discover the, the sort of the silken string running through the pearl chain of the whole book is grace, not works. And there is an awakening. It's unbelievable. But guess what? Everybody was asleep. All the way back to Romans, all the way forward through Scripture, we could go to Wesley's England, tell the same kind of story. Why do we think it couldn't be true right now? I mean, why? why? Could it not be true of, of you? I mean, I don't mean we're asleep to the basic ideas of the message of the gospel. We're not asleep to doctrine. I think we're asleep to the power of the gospel. The awakening that we must have is not an awakening to a more precise understanding of the nature of justification by grace through faith. We understand that. The awakening that we must have is an awakening to the fullness of Jesus Christ in our life by the power of the Holy Spirit in our time. And, I, and I, I, what if we're asleep? You know, the Bible uses just spectacular language. Paul, he says things like, my prayer is that you may be strengthened with power in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith so that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power with all God's people. In New Room, we call that a band. Okay? That you may have power to comprehend the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. We got the knowledge. But to know this love that surpasses knowledge, and he keeps going, so that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What if that's true? I mean, it's either true or we're not getting it. I think we're asleep. This is the whole magnificence of the second half of the gospel for which this entire movement was raised up. 
sowing for a great awakening. Now, what does Advent have to do with any of this? So going back to our text, so besides this, you know what time it is. You know, when Paul is, is, is saying that, he's saying, you know what kairos it is. He says it's the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. The, for salvation is, is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us throw off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. There's this idea of, of time, right? And understanding time and understanding the time in which we live and if I want to know about you and if you want to know about me the quickest way we could do that is trade calendars and just study each other's calendar for the last four or five years that tells us everything we need to know if you keep a calendar <laughs> if you put things down on your calendar I sometimes don't I always put my meetings with Dr. Tennant on my calendar but um your calendar is going to tell you the main priority in your life. It's going, to, it's going to evaluate for you the most significant reality, the most valuable, I don't want to call it a commodity, but the most valuable reality under the sun, which is our time. How do we spend our time? It's going to tell us what days are important. It's going to actually remind us of our past while it tells us about our future. A calendar... Um, will tell us what the holy days are. And the big question that we have, particularly, I mean, it's in every age, but it's in our age for sure. We've all got a lot of calendars. I mean, how many of you are sports fans? There's the sports calendar, right? I mean, there's a, has it come already, the big, the big day up in Lexington when they open the gym, it's called Midnight Madness? That's a holy day. I mean, that is, that is a marker. There's first day of... How many hunters in here? A few hunters, one to admit it. Uh, hunting seasons. They, they order our, 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 our calendars. People build their lives around these things. Um, there's a tournament of narratives that's going on all around us. I brought... One more little prop. Now, this is the ultimate absurdity. I love it and I hate it. This is a Star Wars advent calendar. Okay? Now, this is mind-blowing. The narratives that are at war in this little box. You know, you open it up every day. And there's going to be a little piece of Star Wars Lego memorabilia. And I'm thinking, how did this happen? <laughs> I mean, I love Star Wars. 
and, and, and I mean, I got, I got this, the new, what's the, the last Jedi? It's coming out very soon. I'm ready to get my tickets. Some people have had them for years already. It's on the calendar. But I think the absurdity of this would be like the absurdity of, say, Kim Jong-un in North Korea declaring the 4th of July as a holiday for his own veneration. Okay, it's a, it's a similar kind of thing. We see it playfully, and it is fun. And then the irony of it is, of course, Advent is when we just begin to see on the eastern horizon a star. But you get this calendar, and you have no... Advent is not about Star Wars. Advent is about Jesus, period. And I promise you, there's not a single figurine in here of a manger or a shepherd. It's lightsabers and Jedis. And I mean, you see, that's the story that people are inhabiting. This calendar, this whole calendar idea, unfortunately is one of the great motions of the church that has become disconnected from the movement of the gospel. And the point is not to throw out the motions, the point is to reconnect the motion to the movement. It's to say Advent is the wake-up call. It's to say the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. Advent is, is actually begins with us looking to the very far horizon, the farthest one we can glimpse, and becoming attuned to, to reckon with the fact that Jesus is on his way, that Jesus is coming again. And then from there, we work our way toward Christmas Day, where we will remember that Jesus came the first time. And so we situate ourselves in the season between His comings. We are situated in the age of the Holy Spirit. We are living in the fulfillment of the ages. We are living in the fullness of Christ. But my question is, what if we're all asleep to that? What if we just got the message of the gospel right and we're missing the power? Who, who will raise their hand and say, I'm sick and tired of missing the power of the gospel. I'm ready for the real Christianity. There's a, a, a book I came across recently. I, I bought it for the title. It is a stunner of a title. It's going to take me about a minute to say it, and i got to start wrapping up. I told you, man, this dance was going to end badly. The book's title is A Plain Account of the Prevailing Religious System of the Upper and Middle Classes in this country contrasted with real Christianity. Okay, one more time. A plain account of the prevailing religious system of the upper and middle classes 
in this country contrasted with real Christianity. Now, you know who wrote it? William Wilberforce. Okay? That, that book could be written probably in every generation. And here we are in this hidden little town with folks who have thrown it all in in here in this one place saying, come Holy Spirit, start here. Start with us. Awaken me. Ban me with other awakened sisters and brothers. Because you know what you didn't do? None of you got into this line of work to service a domesticated church. None of you got into this to be a religious service provider. All of you got involved in this work to resource an awakening movement. That's what you're in this for. And you've got to wake yourself up and reckon with this. Because we, of all people, are probably the most prone to go to sleep. Remember the first day of Advent when I was here working as Dean of Chapel? I always had dreams of this just being massive, but it never was. It was always pretty small. But you know, God never does in a big way what He first doesn't do in a small way. I'd take our chapel team, and we would go out to Ichthus Park. And we would go out there on the very first Sunday of Advent at 5 in the morning. And, you know, you have these sunrise services at Easter, but the real sunrise service should happen at Advent because, you see, Advent is the movement from darkness to light. People walking in darkness have seen a great light. And we would get out there. It was cold as, as, as heck. And somebody would bring a guitar, and we would sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And then we would read scriptures, and we would pray, and we would... We would put on the armor of light and we would welcome the new year. And then we'd go back to my house and eat a massive breakfast and then people would go into church. It was a way of reconnecting the motion with the movement. I do wish uh, I had more time. I had three more sermons for you today. <laughs> but you know when Jesus comes and he says, first words off his lips, Brad Johnson will love this, the time has come. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Do you, know, do you know what he did at that moment? He took time, which had been ticking, and he flipped it over. And he said, the kairos, the kairos is fulfilled. The kairos is full. This is happening now. And now the time is going to start running out only in a different way. 
and it is running out. It is coming to an end. Our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. So then let us throw aside the the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light.